0: Our guest today uh, is continuing from uh, last week's show, and if you haven't heard last week's show, and you're doing this on our past shows button, I would suggest you go back and listen to the first uh, part of uh, Dr. Susan Shumsky's uh, visit with us at ND Radio. Dr. Shumsky is a highly respected spiritual teacher and best-selling author of 19 books in English and 36 in other language Languages. She has won 40 prestigious book awards, a pioneer in the human potential field. She has taught meditation, prayer, affirmation, and intuition to thousands worldwide for many decades. Dr. Shumsky is founder of Divine Revelation, a unique field proven technology for contacting the divine presence, hearing and testing the inner voice, and receiving clear divine guidance. Uh, Susan, welcome back to NDE Radio.
1: I am thrilled to be here with you today, Lee. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Well, we, we had such an excellent discussion on ghosts last Monday that I thought um, this might be a good chance for us to discuss some of the other spiritual options as we cross over to the other side. And I know you have a list of, of seven different experiences that uh, that can ha- happen when we die. And, uh, so I'll just let you go go ahead and tell us about it.
1: Yeah, well, the, uh, the fact is that we have free will. We have free will every choice that we make throughout our life. And when we pass over, we still continue to have free will. Really, death is an illusion. Nothing happens at death. And therefore, we still have the same mind. All of our subtle body is still intact. And the only thing that has left is the physical form but we still have our mental body. We still can make choices. So uh, the most common choice that people make would be what I call the slow road of evolution. And that means that we have already lived for countless lifetimes as uh, minerals and plants and animals and humans. We've gone through many incarnations And we might choose to live many more incarnations, climbing this same slow ladder of spiritual evolution. And uh, so when we walk this slow road, uh, we're born, we live, we die. At the time of death, we see a great light. We move into that light, which is the heavenly realm. And then after some time, we take birth again. We reincarnate, and the soul chooses a particular womb that is best for our spiritual development, and we're reborn into that family, and then we continue to incarnate into many different human bodies, uh, tens of thousands of human bodies. We continue on and on until we finally... uh, decide to take birth on a higher plane as a celestial being uh, an angel an angelic being and we continue to move up the spiritual ladder and eventually even become a deity or, or a divine being from angel to deity and then um that may end our course of spiritual evolution um but in that slow road, we never really a- a- attain what we might call liberation or moksha, which means being completely freed from this uh, wheel of birth and death. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's one of our choices that we might make. So
0: so we would take our ego with us all the way to the top.
1: <laughs> yes, you're rightly.
0: I don't know how good that is, but what's next on the list?
1: The next choice is uh, that it's possible that we never go into that light after death, that uh, for various reasons, we become an earthbound spirit where we get stuck or stranded in the astral plane And uh, there's, um, I've counted 15 reasons why that can happen. Uh, We might be lost, confused, stubborn, ignorant. There's a lot of reasons why a soul does not move into the light after death. And so they continue in what we call the astral world as a ghost or earthbound or discarnate spirit, lost and alone until... Maybe we figure it out or maybe somebody within earshot tells us to go into the light, you know, tells us to, heals us and sends us into the light. And it's possible for us to live in that astral world for a very long time, even hundreds or thousands of years, haunting a person or haunting a building. Mm. So that's choice number two. Also not a great choice.
0: No.
1: A choice number three would be. If you are one of these lost souls or earthbound spirit uh, who's overly attached to the earth plane, if you're or if you're addicted to pleasures of the flesh or addicted to substances, maybe an addict, and you might want desperately to continue in human form in order to perpetuate your addiction or to continue in physical form for one reason or another, then you may. Uh, decide to attach yourself to a living human body so that you can either continue that addiction or stay in the earthly plane. So uh, an individual who is in a weakened condition, who is susceptible to astral possession, um, a soul who is an addict or who wants to possess that human being could possibly take over that human being's body and possess or oppress them. I shouldn't say take over. I mean, attach themselves to a powerless, depleted individual and then end up sharing uh, that person's body with your soul, your soul sharing with that soul in a, body which uh, it wreaks havoc on that person obviously and you're kind of an astral freeloader and you are continuing to uh, possess that human and often that human will either become an addict or it's possible for them to end up in some kind of mental breakdown or mental illness so that's the third choice so they take
0: these were the souls that uh, um, Catholic priests exercise uh, from time to time or at least try to.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know how much they even believe in that tenet of Catholicism anymore, but there is that idea. And in fact, I, it's totally real mm. that people do get possessed. Um,
0: I think the Catholics normally think of it as a demonic possession rather than a a dead soul doing the possessing.
1: It could be a demonic possession, which that's even worse uh, because they're more difficult to to get rid of or to heal. Uh, But in most cases, a possession is from an earthbound spirit, from a soul of another human being
0: let me ask you if if uh in the first case that you mentioned someone can aspire to become an angel could someone a human aspire to ultimately be a demon?
1: Oh yes, we have free will, we can become anything.
0: Wow. Yikes.
1: <laughs> that would that would not be the best choice to make, however. No. So the these three choices that I mentioned they're not the best choices. Um, Choice one is the most benign, you know, because you're just continuing to live uh, your uh, pathway without interfering, without doing any spiritual practices, without, you know, without doing really anything. Eventually, you do, walking that slow road of evolution, you do eventually become a higher soul, a higher being. Okay, choice number four is becoming what we call a walk-in. A walk-in would be someone who decides that they don't want to undergo the lengthy process of rebirth and childhood and youth and adulthood and, and everything that they have to go through as a human being. So they make a, a contract, they actually make a contract with a living, living human to take over that human being's body and then and at that soul, the living human, their soul would move on, would go on into the light. So this is something that's possible for a soul to do. So they would make an agreement with this living human um, who possibly on the verge of death, possibly just died or possibly might just be a living person. So that person's soul departs from their body. And then and they could be, uh, they could have had an accident. They could have had, be having a near-death experience. But it's possible to make that kind of contract. And with permission from that soul, uh, the, uh, the other uh, soul walks in or possesses that person's body and takes it over. And hmm. uh, that is a well-known practice in India that they call Parkaya Pradesh or it's also called Transmigration Transmigration of souls. And we call it here in the West, the New Age people, we call it a walk in, walk in. So okay. there, you walk into someone else's body and they walk out. They go into the light. So that's the choice that can be made. And that explains a lot of situations where a person suddenly has a personality change and They no longer feel like themselves, you know, or whatever. And something else has taken over, taken over them. Hmm. So choice number five would be to achieve what we call moksha or liberation or spiritual enlightenment during your lifetime, during your human embodiment. And in this uh, higher state of consciousness, you Come to realize your true nature and you unite your conscious awareness with Supreme Spirit. You no longer are bound by what we call the seeds of karma or attachments to the earth plane. In Sanskrit, those are known as sanskaras. And those sanskaras are what bind you to reincarnation. They bind you to the wheel of birth and death. But when you are in liberation, you never have to take human birth again. Mm. And if you decide to, uh, if you do achieve this state of spiritual enlightenment, then after death, uh, when once you what you call drop the body or you leave the body behind at the time of death, then your soul can make one of two choices: either you merge with Universal Spirit, the Supreme Godhead uh, known in India as Brahman, um, this in- undifferentiated state of consciousness, the supreme consciousness, you merge with that, and thereby you forego your in- your human individuality or what we call the ego, that disappears altogether, or your second choice would be that you might want to live in a celestial realm or heavenly realm uh, with the God that you believe in or the deity of your choice and maintain your individuality. So you have two choices to make once you've achieved spiritual enlightenment.
0: So you would be in effect merging with the light in that first yes. choice, and yes. you're you would or a drop flowing into the ocean, you would lose your dropness. Exactly. <laughs> And, and exactly.
1: Become, You're no longer a drop in the ocean. You become the ocean. Exactly. Uh,
0: do you suppose that the consciousness that we call the light anticipates that that's what will happen ultimately with, with everything?
1: Well, yes. Um,
0: that we'll that, all go back into the light and, and merge uh, well, as, as the God?
1: Well, that is the ultimate uh, end of your journey. That is the end of your journey, ultimately. And uh, whether that happens when that happens, you know, we have a choice as to when that happens. We can do spiritual practices. We can do sadhana. We can uh, follow a spiritual master. We can do, make efforts in the direction of attaining this state of liberation or moksha. It's a choice. It's a choice for us to make.
0: Now, how do you know when you've attained moksha? Is it the kundalini? That, that, no. uh, what? What is it then that would suddenly uh, make you understand that you were totally enlightened?
1: Okay. When you're totally enlightened, you understand who you really are. There is no longer any illusion. You realize yourself as supreme spirit. You no longer identify yourself as your ego self. That small I, you don't identify yourself as that anymore. You only identify yourself as the big I, the capital I, the I am presence, the mighty I am presence, the supreme beingness. You know yourself to be that. That's what spiritual enlightenment is.
0: But can you deceive yourself? Can your ego do that to you, make you think that you've achieved enlightenment?
1: Yes, your ego can manufacture any kind of illusion, because the ego is entirely illusory. And our identity, our identification with the ego is completely illusory. Mm. So the answer is yes, yes, you can deceive yourself.
0: So if you're deceiving yourself, you don't realize that you're not enlightened. But if you're enlightened, Correct. if you're enlightened, you realize that you, uh, you you understand the ego for what it is and you've bypassed it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, OK.
1: Exactly. Interesting. OK, so uh, should we move on to choice number six?
0: Yes, please.
1: Uh, choice number six would be attain to attain ascension while you're still alive. After you've attained enlightenment, this cannot happen until you've attained enlightenment, by the way. You cannot become an ascended master unless, first of all, you know who you are. Mm -hmm. But after you've attained enlightenment, while you're still in human, human embodiment, while you're still a human, it's possible for you to transform your physical body into finer material, actually, into a light body. And that's called ascension, translation, it's also called physical immortality. Um, And this would be where your body is no longer dense, no longer has the density uh, that normal human bodies have. Your body has transmuted into a light body. That immortal body is not subject to illness or death or aging or anything, and you escape bodily death altogether, and um, there's no physical body left behind to die, to die or decay. Uh, thus, you hear the story about Jesus, for example, who was in the cave uh, in his uh, sepulcher, in, ca- uh, in the place that he was buried right in the cave and the the stone was rolled over the Joseph
0: Joseph of Arimathea's uh, burial site wrapped in in the shroud they believe is the shroud of Turin
1: exactly and guarded by soldiers and then the next day when they roll the the uh, stone away nothing's there except for the shroud so why is that because he has ascended he has translated his lo- his body has been changed into a light body, and therefore he goes and hangs out with his disciples for a while, and greets them and says, "Hey, are coming? You know, uh, here I am." You know, and
0: uh, yes, he came came through a lo- locked door in the upper room and and identified himself. Ate a piece yeah. of fish, I believe, uh, right. The Doubting Thomas stuck his hand in his wounds and, and felt something, apparently. So it was a body. It was a tactile yes. event.
1: Absolutely. And that is why when people have Ascended Master visitations, when we call visitations, which was what that was, that was a visitation from an Ascended Master, Jesus being the Ascended Master. He's not the only Ascended Master, by the way. He's not the only ascension. So uh, when an Ascended Master visits you, uh, in most cases, they will eat something with you just to show that they are also physical as well as not just a ghost. They're not just a spirit being, that they are truly an Ascended Master. And I've had several Ascended Master visitations, and in all of them, they ate with me or or they ate, and I watched them eat, either one. Mm. Um so in almost all of those visitations, I just remembered one where he didn't eat. But in all the other ones, yes, they, they will eat to show you that they're not just a ghost. So that it would be becoming an ascended master. And okay, there have I, been.
0: I, Susan, I have to ask you, who, who came to visit you?
1: Well, Jesus came one time and Babaji has come to me uh, three times, I believe it is. And another Ascended Master came to me, but I have not quite, I'm not exactly sure. I think it was Yogananda who came.
0: Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Have they brought you information that you could share? Yes,
1: they always, yeah, they always came to show me something, to tell me something. It would not be information that would be, all right, okay, I'll, I'll tell one story. All right, so um, when I was 18 years old. I was living in Oakland, California, and I was going to art school. And I walked home from art school one day, and this man was in front of my house. Uh, I ran into this man. I don't. We started up a conversation, and he was he was unusual simply because he didn't look like a hippie, like everybody else around that that neighborhood <laughs> at that time. Yes. He was dressed in, like, khaki pants and a white button-down shirt, and he looked really straight, what we would call straight back then. I was a hippie.
0: That's what we called them, yes.
1: We called them straight. (laughs) So he was a straight. But we ended up talking to each other, and then I ended up inviting him to come up, and I said I would make him lunch, but I said the only thing I have is um, canned spaghetti and meatballs, and he said, well, I'm a vegetarian, so I don't take meat, but I will take tea. So we went up and I made him tea and he sat at the table. And then he was saying all these esoteric things to me that I didn't understand, a word coming out of his mouth. And then uh, at some point he said, I am a yogi. I was, he was asking me about my house. He asked me about cleaning my house or something. And I didn't know what the heck he was talking about. And then And then he said, I'm a yogi. And because I am a yogi, and I didn't know what a yogi was. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: He said, I'm a yogi. Because I'm a yogi, I spend all day polishing the things in my house. And that was this one statement that stuck out to me during our conversation, although he said many other things. And then without, uh, only stayed a few minutes, had some tea, like I said, you know, had something, took something, ate something to uh, to show me that he was a physical, he was in physical form. And then he left. He didn't dematerialize. He walked out the door, uh, never to be seen again, not in that form anyway. So uh, I found out later that the esoteric meaning of house is consciousness. So he was trying to describe that what a yogi does is they spend all the time polishing the things in their house, meaning their consciousness.
0: Their their spiritual spiritual house.
1: Yes. So that was what he was. uh, Now,
0: how did you know or how did you come to the conclusion that he was an Ascended Master?
1: Well, later when I learned about Ascended Masters, uh, much later, decades and decades later, when I learned about Ascended Masters and learned uh, that they can visit human beings, And that they will visit human beings. And then I asked Spirit about it. And I realized, yes, that was Babaji.
0: And did he put you on the path that you went on after that?
1: As a matter of fact, very soon after I had that experience, very soon after he met me, I found the book Autobiography of a Yogi. Uh, And I read that book. Yeah.
0: And I believe you had the same kundalini experience, didn't you?
1: Uh, then what happened, yes.
0: And uh, you're, after, on your first meditation.
1: Yes. After which which I is, had,
0: I'm terribly envious of you for that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> after I read, read uh, the Buddhist scriptures, I read Autobiography of a Yogi, I read many books by Alan Watts, including The Way of Zen. And in Alan Watts' books, he said that you have to find what he called a quote-unquote meditation guide. Well, in 1966 in Berkeley, California, you didn't exactly go to the Yellow Pages and find meditation guide or anything remotely similar to that. So, um, so I asked a friend, "How do I do this? How do I find this meditation guide?" And he said, "Well, have you ever tried to meditate on your own?" And I said, "Well, okay, I'll give it a shot." So I lay down on my bed. That's how clueless I was, Lee. I didn't even know that you're supposed to sit up when you meditate. I lay on my bed and sort of prayed for or asked for a meditation. And immediately, uh, and I had not taken any drugs. I was not on marijuana. I was not on LSD. I was not on anything. And immediately, I was propelled into this ecstatic state. I could feel this cord or rush of energy rushing from the tips of my toes all the way to the top of my head. I felt like I was plugged into this cosmic electric socket, but in a most ecstatic way. And I figured, well, I guess this is meditation. Little did I know that not only had I had my first meditation, but also Kundalini awakening all at the same time without drugs or anything. So that was my first experience of meditation.
0: That's amazing. Well, how Mm -hmm. how far down the list are we?
1: We We're now at choice number seven, attaining ascension near or after death. So attaining ascension near or after death would be, Well, we didn't even really talk about attaining ascension while alive. We didn't really finish choice number six. If you're attaining ascension while alive, you will disappear in a flash of light. But that will be while you're still alive, as in the case of uh, Ramalinga Swami from India, who told his disciples, I'm going to go into this hut. Please uh, keep the door locked. Please stay outside the door and continue to pray all night long. Please keep this light going. It will be an eternal light. But when you open the door in the morning, I'm going to be gone. Hmm. So that's exactly what happened in the middle of the night as they were praying. They saw a flash of uh, violet light coming from under the door. And sure enough, the next morning when they opened the door, he had disappeared. The police came to investigate this was in India, South India. The police came to, to investigate and there was no way he could have left, gone in or out of that how, uh, that hut. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was nothing but a door and he didn't go in or out of it. And so the police concluded in their investigation and this was in the um, early it was like around 1900 that this happened. Uh, they concluded that he had vanished. He had disappeared. That could only happen in India that the yes. police would come to that conclusion.
0: I don't so, I don't see that happening with the Chicago police, for example. No.
1: So choice number seven, attaining ascension near or after death, that would be the same process of ascension, but after you've died. And that was what Jesus did, actually. He uh, ascended after death. So he first died and then he then he. Then he turned his body into light and disappeared.
0: Did we cover the uh, living with the God of our understanding?
1: Yes, we did. That was in choice, uh, the attaining spiritual enlightenment choice, choice number six, where you either merge with absolute Brahman or you live in the celestial world with the God of your understanding or the God of your choice.
0: Okay, so if you were a devout Catholic, for instance, you might see uh, three thrones with a, you know, the Trinity and all of that, and you would be there uh, in the heavenly choir singing their praises, for example. If if this is what you understood to be heaven, that's where you would be.
1: Okay, that's where you would be. That's where you would live. You have a choice. You do not have to merge necessarily with that ocean you don't have to be the drop that merges with the ocean you can maintain a slight bit of separation and live in devotion to god for as long as you want
0: wow susan this has been wonderful and once again we're out of time but uh this has been a a terrific two weeks of discussion for NDE radio and i thank you so much for for being here with us
1: well, thanks for inviting me, Lee. I've completely enjoyed speaking on these subjects, which I rarely get to talk about.
0: <laughs> well, tell, tell uh, your, our listeners again how to find your websites.
1: Okay, so my website is drsusan.org, drsusan.org. That's spelled any way you, you want to spell it. It'll get there, drsusan.org. And another one is uh, divinetravels.com. That's D-I-V-I-N-E-T-R-A-V-E-L-S dot com. That's plural on the travels, com.
0: Excellent. Thanks again, Susan. This has been terrific. I would tell listeners who have not heard part one of this show, which was last week, that they should definitely go back. It was uh, devoted almost exclusively to ghosts. And I think that's a basic part of the discussion that we had here today as well. Our past shows, there are nearly 400 of them, are available just by going to our past shows button on NDE Radio. And for information about IONS, go to IANDS.org. And tune in again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening.